Welcome to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 70. Uh, it's amazing we've gotten this far. And uh, because uh, because Greg could not make it to RFN's live PAX uh, adventure, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> um, he, he's freed from the shackles of editing a yeah. podcast. And, and so I really wanted him to come on uh, this episode of, of Radio Trivia, and, and, and he obliged. So I really uh, welcome, wanted to Greg. be on. It's been more than a year oh my uh, God. since I was last on Radio Trivia Podcast Edition, episode 47, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, far too long. Yes, yeah, well, as a, a big, big fan of this uh, particular podcast, uh, I've heard every episode. Uh, can assure you one of our few listeners <laughs> well i don't it's i i am looking forward to this i've been i'm making the best of a bad situation missing out on the uh the live panel at pax east but uh yeah. so, so, oh, oh, at this point we we haven't actually heard the the the, the live show yet uh, but uh, we, i, I well, assume we'll be uh, out. The, the report is that it went well yeah um, that, that's it, what we're hearing there, 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 there was a uh, predictably small crowd just because he's they were pit up against what like will wheaton it was it was not the kindest slotting as i understood <laughs> it but uh i am really looking forward to leaving that i'm sure by the time this goes out we will have all enjoyed it yeah uh, but uh, i'm also looking forward to doing this yeah well um because Greg rarely is able to to co-host with me, uh, all the songs tonight are his his. Sorry, all the games tonight are his uh, selection. I, I chose the individual songs actually, but um, these are all his selections, and and what, there is some overlap with listener requests, so uh, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, enjoy, and and if you don't like it, you can. Uh, Send your mail to rfn at nintendoreport.com. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll deal with that. And it's, you'll deal with that. Uh, there's, more, there's, more than a, uh, there's more than a year's worth of uh, game ideas that have gone into this. Uh, and TYP was kind enough to indulge me five of them. So I, I hope yes. uh, it's not. Hope you don't go too far trying to guess the inner workings of my mind, which is a fool's errand at the best of times, I think. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we're going to go on to the first game.
I love the bass line on that one. Yeah, it's a really, uh, really interesting bass line. It's kind of a, it's a jazzy influence. Kind Very of. much so. Yeah. Uh, sort of a pan flute type type song there. I don't know. Yeah, eclectic mix of instrumentation there for people to uh, ruminate on. Ominous. Mm, interesting little piece, that one. All right, well, uh, Greg has the question. Right, so. this, yeah, this is very much for uh, fans of the series, as I feel fairly confident that a lot of people will, will get this one. Uh, but uh, let's see if I can uh, catch them out with the question. Uh, the closing stages of this game prominently feature rearrangements from signature musical themes uh, from previous titles in the series. Can you identify all of the themes that are reprised? Thank you. 
Oh, well, there it is. A pretty fine uh, selection of tracks there. I would say TYP, some of my favourites. Oh, but uh, I don't think you could go too far wrong with this game. Uh, I suppose people uh, may well have guessed it already. Uh, uh, this is Super Castlevania 4, which I'm sure wouldn't surprise anyone that I chose this to sort of bang on about it, probably <laughs> on RFN, more than any, yeah. than any other game soundtrack. Uh, it's an easy one to get everyone started. But looking at the... the, the was it three or nearly 350 games that we've used on uh, yeah, regular podcasts? Not far shy of the American virtual console numbers, actually, and they're probably catching up <laughs> at a decent rate the way things have All been right. going. But you know, to not have this on there, I thought was a terrible shame. So I tested TYP's graciousness in actually allowing me to have classic Castlevania represented on the <laughs> But the music yeah. more than makes up for it, I feel. Uh, it has uh, some of the most atmospheric music of any Castlevania game. It really, like, clearly they, they said, this is an interesting sound chip, what can we do with it? Yes. Um, and, and so it, it's not as balls-out actiony music as... Uh, there's a lot of the other entries in the, in the series. No, indeed. I mean, it's it's one of the most tremendously diverse soundtracks you'll ever come across on any system. I do think that, that just like playing around with what the Super Famicom, uh, Super NES could do was a big part of it. Yeah. And, and that, that was manifested in other aspects of the game, like there's some brazen use of Mode 7 and things like that. But, <laughs> but but in terms of the soundtrack, you know, one level, I remember, you start off in these catacombs and there's this sort of harp playing sort of uh, with, with sort of slightly sort of melancholy but kind of upbeat then you're going up a waterfall and you've got this lonely piano tune and then you get to this sort of uh, sunken city kind of environment and that's where you get the jazzy bass line so we're just in one level that kind of yeah. breadth of, of music is incredible uh, what they do with this so there's plenty more outstanding I mean really it is there's, there's scarcely anything bad to be picked out of this uh, but a great range just terrific uh, atmosphere. You know, sometimes it's kind of creepy, and then other times it's it's, it's quite happy. They're, 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 it, but it's all really very listenable. Well, I, I almost say that the, the weakest part of the the soundtrack is is when it tries to do the classic Castlevania themes. Uh, to me, the rearrangements are a little yes. a little weak. Just like just like uh, you know, a lot of early Super Nintendo games, the instrumentation wasn't as rich as like you can get with an eight bit sound. And so it sounds a little tinny. It was, it was, cause that is the sort of answer to the question of this being the, yeah. the fourth Castlevania game. That to, it basically doesn't use any of the classic themes until the very end of the game, where you get the clock tower stage reuses uh, Bloody Tears, which is the overworld sort of daytime theme from Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. Then you get the first castle keep part reuses Vampire Killer, the classic first level theme from the original Castlevania. And then another part of the Castle Keep where you're ascending up the wall he uses uh, the first level theme from Castlevania 3 which is beginning so that's the uh, the full range of answers there for, for your real Castlevania fans that know that yeah. sort of thing but it's, it's, it's quite odd that you go for this you know almost the whole game without reusing anything and then they, they put it in three in a row you know three tracks in a row right. you know? and it, it was nice to hear them back at the time but yeah, I mean uh, I, you know, I really love that music uh, on the NES as a kid but uh, I don't think it, it probably there is something not quite as striking as the others yeah I mean you listen to other rearrangements from GBA or DS games and you know it's much richer much you know more satisfying now to listen to I think than, than, uh, than the 
rendition on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, so. the, the little weak and de- definitely not as dynamic as, say, for instance, some of those tracks we heard as well. They didn't do too much to them melodically, although like they were still basically the same. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because it shares a little bit of that with... Uh, I was playing through Order of Ecclesia, which, to be honest, is what I kind of wanted to use, but I said, oh, I'll go with Greg's. Greg's <laughs> you, go, you were so, so against so, so now, classic so now, Castlevania. Yeah, that you, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, Order of Ecclesia is probably harder than Super Castlevania for. Well, it's harder for different reasons. But Yeah, and, but definitely uh, for no, different reasons. I, the reason I don't like ca- classic Castlevania is that I think the controls are wonky as hell, and I've never really been able to get over them. Maybe it's less true of Castlevania 4 than some of the it's other It's less true. The I mean, it's still pretty stiff at this point, yeah. but you have the, the multi-directional whipping, uh, which was a kind of very unique kind of thing at the time, but actually has never been reprised really in a Castlevania. It's kind of clunky. I mean, but 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 that it, does that removes the need to be so active with jumping and stuff like so. Yeah. You didn't feel the, the the stiffness of the jumping quite so much, and I think mm-hmm. you could you could still jump on stairs and stuff, which is always like the most annoying thing that you could do in the old one. So yeah. there's so, there's some uh, sort of amelioration of of, of how uh, stodgy it was before, but it's still pretty much in that ballpark. Well, it's like I was playing, I guess Dracula X, which is what. What just came out? Yeah, that's the topical one. You and I, yeah, you you and I both have the the Japanese version of that. Yeah, that's right. And and it's like you have to push down to walk down the stairs, unless you're gonna fall down the stairs. (laughs) What? It's a weird (laughs) thing. And of course, with that with Dracula X, you still have to press up and the attack button to do a sub weapon. Whereas Castlevania Four, which came before it, actually gave it its own button. Um, Right. Well, up and B doesn't bother me so much. I mean, that's been in. You know, and a lot of more modern games too. Sure. Up yeah. and B, or up and action button. But yeah. um, it, it's it's yeah, like get it. Okay, I'm gonna fall down a pit because I didn't push down when I wanted to walk down the stairs. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. That's stupid. I'm sorry. And and uh, I I just get frustrated with with those games so quickly that uh, you know I, I just not interested. If now level design is a different story. I can't really comment on it because I never got over the control issue. But um, so, you know, how much have you played it for? I mean, uh, it's been a long time. I got through. I want to say, jeez, oh, I want to say up to like the fourth level in there. I, I seem to recall going up a, like a series of staircases, and maybe that's the waterfall area you're talking about. I'm not sure. Mm, that's the third level, um, and then there's like a okay. skeleton fortress that comes after that. Okay, uh, so I think I gave up on the on the third level. Yeah, you know maybe it's uh, it's uh, it's. It's not overly challenging relative to other Castlevania games, somewhat because of the uh, the whipping and somewhat because of, like, you know, you just... I, I, don't, I don't think they, they wanted to dial it up too much. You know, it was a, a bit of restraint because they had more content than they had in the previous yeah. games. The, the thing is is that it's effectively a remake, even though it's Super Castlevania 4 in the West, it's effectively a remake of the original in terms of the story that it tells such that it is. But what it does is, whereas the original has you know, six levels beginning at the entrance to the castle, this one basically tacks on like five or six levels before you get to the mm. castle. So it is like twice as long but the levels aren't really like remakes of this similar sort of themes but they are completely different level designs for the most part so it's uh you know it's it's not really a kind of remake uh, so much as like uh i don't know what you would you know reimagining or whatever these words that you could say we sort of like zero mission you know where you take the premise uh but the thing is with castlevania is i don't know that anyone really cares anyway (laughs) 
Yeah, I was like, well, okay, you're fighting Dracula, fine. Yeah, we're okay. always fighting Dracula. It doesn't matter whether it's new, original, whether it's set in the 21st century or the 17th. You're just right. fighting Dracula. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, Castlevania 4, obviously a, a uh, very popular game, and uh, we finally used it. So. I think that, what was it one of the launch games for Virtual Console, uh, if I remember correctly. It was certainly in some regions. It was one of the first games to come out. So uh, hopefully a lot of people have picked this up and enjoyed the soundtrack because that that's worth the price of admission if you've never heard it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on to the second Greg game. <laughs> There's a cheery song. Mm, very eerie. Yeah. <laughs> I said cheery, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize this. It <laughs> uh, works on one level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I don't know. We'll just go on to the second song. We don't have to say something after every single song, do we? No. This isn't play-by-play right, play commentary. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> well, what a catch! <laughs> Get the turkey out. I don't know. What would John Madden say to about duck and, about, uh, and cankles? <laughs> you mentioned cankles. Ten-legged turkey. <laughs>
Hmm, that was quite a schizophrenic song, that one. That's <laughs> appropriate. Uh, I think so. It really quite, uh, it, it almost like it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. It's perfect. Right, so, hmm. Sorry, I guess I'll ask the question here. Oh, okay. Um, so the nickname of the high school in this game is actually an allusion to which famous novel? Can't be too famous because I don't. I don't know it. Mm, yes, I suppose. <laughs> Perhaps I took some artistic license with the right in that question. I don't know. In your mind's eye lives a memory hard to find Blinded by sorrow And a cold voice Sings a melody here I sing They're frozen
Well, there's a little bit of, of debate Greg and I are having whether that song is actually in the game or not. <laughs> well, that is the uh, curveball that the third song is presented no, there. I, I, <laughs> if you were I really not, do, fam- I really do my best to make sure that it's, it's a song from the game. If you were but, not uh, familiar with this game, going off the first two songs, you wouldn't have been expecting that for the third. Yeah. One. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is Silent Hill Shattered Memories for Wii. Um, and my feeling of that is that that is the end credit song, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I didn't play through it that long ago. You'd like to think I'd have the ability to remember these things. <laughs> right, well, there are like four or five vocal tracks uh, like that. There are. Um, there, there's, in, there, there are a the few vocal so. tracks in, uh, uh, interspersed. Uh, the, the, what, probably the most memorable one is, is, is a version of the song uh, You Were Always On My Mind, which I suppose is most famous for the version that Elvis did, although I think there are some other fairly high profile versions of that song but yeah, needless to say it's a little different in the context of this particular yes, game yes I imagine it would be. <laughs> it's a slightly more sort of uh, depressing uh, and ominous kind of quality <laughs> to it but it, the, uh, the but obviously the most of the, the soundtrack to this game is, is like the uh, the first two songs as you right which, which are expect. very dissonant very um, dissonant indeed very modern uh, they orchestrated are. It's. Uh, I mean, it, it really is a great. You know, the, the, all aspects of the sound design with the normal sort of music is great at creating that off kilter sort of uh, feeling that you're looking for in the in the game because you've got sort of, like, you know, sort of the the piano kind of sounds detuned and they do some weird things yeah. with the timing. You know, they, they, sometimes it's sort of very abrupt and then other times it feels like it's sort of being dragged out and distorted and you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, very carefully done. Uh, to sort of embellish the, what's going on with the visuals to make it feel kind of eerie and, and surreal. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the kind of stuff that you notice all that much in itself, which I think is showing that well, it's I, doing its job. I certainly didn't notice it during E3 when I saw the demo. <laughs> well, I, I imagine you wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, I, I, so, so you played through this, so you thought I, it was a pretty good game. I have played through uh, all of the game, you know, I'll certainly be discussing it uh, to some extent on uh, RFN uh, in a future episode, but uh, yeah, I, d- I did enjoy it uh, for what it's worth, and, and, and things like the, uh, the, the the music were a big part of it, you know, that, that really is kind of what it's effective on, it's kind of give, creating uh, an atmosphere, um, yeah. you know, and... Uh, I think the music has been a pretty celebrated part of Silent Hill, I think, for its entirety, although uh, apparently the, the composer of this game and the other games, Akira Yamaoka, has, has left Konami, so this will be sort of his swan song for the series. Mm. If there are further Silent Hill games, there won't be with that composer. I think he's gone to Grasshopper, as it happens. Uh, so I, I, I don't know what he'll be doing with them. But uh, it's uh, yeah, there. The music's a pretty big part of Silent Hill. This was the first Silent Hill game that I played. But uh, my understanding is that you know that he will be missed, certainly. Um, so, so did did you find the, the game's design to be disorienting? Because at E3, when when I 
played and, and watch other people play it, it just uh, I just felt like I didn't know where I was going. Does the does the final game actually uh, guide you a little more? There is uh, there is some of that certainly. Uh, you know, it, I, I, I think to some extent that's intentional. Um, you know, uh, certainly at times in the nightmare sequences, it's very intentional yeah. towards the end. Um, other times, I don't think it's quite so intentional, but it's just kind of difficult anyway. Um, so yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating in that way sometimes. Um, you know, if it's if things start to take a bit too long, you can't just enjoy soaking up the ambiance uh, for for yeah. all that. Like, there's a point where you just you want to get on and, and see the new things, so it shouldn't get in the way. Although it, it certainly it is a brief game that 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 much is is certainly true um shall we uh, do the trivia question now actually i should uh, mention yeah, the, so I the, should answer that. so the 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 high school in silent hill that you uh, visit at one point is called midwich high school and the sports teams are referred to as the cuckoos so it's the midwich cuckoos which was a novel written in the 50s about uh, a town where all the p- females in the town kind of spontaneously fall pregnant at the same time and then when the children are born they're like these sort of weird demon children or something and it was made into a films uh, well a first a film the village of the damned and then i think that film was remade with like christopher reeve <laughs> and kirsty alley decades later um, but yeah, so that 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 was obviously a little reference to uh, to, to to that book or those films, uh, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. Uh, not quite sure why. I don't really see many parallels in the story, but <laughs> I picked up on the reference anyway. Well, I guess it's appropriate that we we've selected uh, two Konami games just because on on Friday I went out to uh, eat lunch at the Hummus Factory, and. Um, <laughs> And I, I'm pretty sure I saw a group of people from Konami there. Um, huh. One of one of them had their lanyard hanging out of their back pocket. It was Konami lanyard. Uh, so it. I'm watching you. If you listen to this podcast, I know where you work. <laughs> um, and I know where you eat lunch. But um, yeah, like, I, I, my work is like two and a half blocks away from their Konami America building. Right. One of their buildings. So. Yeah. Well, they've certainly got a terrific heritage with soundtracks on Nintendo platforms, especially uh, going back to the uh, 8 and 16-bit eras. has been a little bit more threadbare subsequently, but uh, th- this one's uh, pretty good. I think very effective. I mean, I like it a lot. I guess, you know, it's not as you know, befitting the, kind of the, the subject matter of the game. It's not as sort of deliberately cheesy as some of the early Resident Evil games. Yeah. Um, obviously, it is more kind of um, genuinely kind of unsettling than those. Although I actually like the the soundtracks to Resident Evil games uh, that I've heard. I think they're actually pretty. They're, they're, certainly, in the case of Resident Evil Two, I like the soundtrack a lot better than I like the game. <laughs> because well, the thing is, it managed to evoke that kind of cheesy horror movie vibe, but while right. actually being pretty good music. If you know, like you know, right. it had all right. that kind of instrumentation and the trappings, but it was more interesting than you know most most kind of horror movies. You are not the the score doesn't stay with you. Let's put it that way. Okay, so we're gonna go into the third game, which Greg requested as well as. Uh actually uh, more than one other listener so in demand <laughs> it's in demand
All right, let's go on. <laughs> Well, if that sounded like it had a quite distinctly different personality from the first song, there might actually be a reason for that. I'll leave that as a little hint before we go to the <laughs> official hint question. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, why don't you read the official hint question? Uh, this game's pantaloon upgrade grants what ability?
Well, I think the uh, the song choices there really highlighted the kind of dichotomy that there is in this game. There is a dichotomy, and, and it's a game that you you and Johnny really love, but it's just another one of these games that I just... Just isn't for me. It's, um, it's uh, it has been it, compared to uh, old school Castlevania. <laughs> yeah, it, it has. It is. Well, uh, I think I dislike it for different reasons, but um, th- this is a game featuring Greg's alter ego, uh, Henry Hatsworth. Um, <laughs> Greg in another what, a half a half a century. Yes, exactly. <laughs> once we get the. Uh, once I get a bit more grey in my hair and a bit more tea in my blood that activates my mecha robot destructo <laughs> phase. Uh, yeah. uh, this is Henry Hatsworth in, in, the, in the puzzling adventure. In the puzzling adventure, yes. I don't know whether that was meant to imply that there will be subsequent adventures for Henry, but certainly didn't look like it, unfortunately, <laughs> from the, uh, the the sales of the game and everything. In fact, I think uh, it was... Like, Puppycock! It was... <laughs> It was a uh, side project, kind of, for some of the people inside uh, Tiburon, uh, EA, who are you know, the people that make Madden all right. the time. And uh, I think uh, the, the main creative sort of lead behind uh, Hatsworth has moved on to make his own company. Uh, he's got a joint venture with the, the guys from uh, 2D Boy. Uh, who did Excellent. World of Goo, so that could be well worth keeping an eye on what they uh, create yeah. down the line. But yeah, I mean, Hatsworth, yeah, we, we talked about it quite a lot a year ago when it came out. Johnny and I, we both had it. Uh, I certainly like it. It's, uh, you know, both sort of a bit of a throwback game, but it's also very unique because it has this mm-hmm. dichotomy between the uh, the action on the one hand and then on the lower screen, you've got the, the puzzle on the other. Yeah, on on paper it sounds great. I mean, I, I love Panel de Pond, and, and I'm I'm a fan of action games, so you know I, <laughs> I checked it out. And so, a couple of things. One, um, the soundtrack for this game um, that's floating around the internet. There's a free soundtrack, and yeah. and it has um, it, it actually I don't want to call it a rearrangement, so so to speak, but it, it has richer instrumentation, mm. um, and it, so much so that uh, I didn't feel like I could use. Uh, that for this game because it, it sounded different enough and didn't sound like a DS game. So sure. um, I wound up uh, bu- dusting off my old copy of this game and, and recording uh, a few songs directly from the card uh, so that uh, get the real real sound of well, it. Well, I think it's I think it's valuable that you mention that though because I think if you weren't familiar with this game, you might have been foxed by how good the instrument quality is, even though it most assuredly is off the game card because that is, is very much. Uh, cleaner and more authentic than the vast majority of DS games. I mean, it compares favorably with GameCube games, I can think of this. It's really <laughs> excellent. It, it is very good. And, um, well, but a lot of DS games, these, you know, near the end of the life, sound really fantastic. Oh, they're, they're, so. it's been shown what you can do with the DS yeah. uh, that area, certainly. But um, what I was going to say was that... Um, because I had dusted off and play it, I realized that my memory had failed me. You know, I originally remembered it as I got stuck in a boss, and right. and I and because I got stuck in a boss, I gave up and never came back to it. In reality, what happened was I got fed up with the level design. Um, Johnny had told me after the first world it gets better. I played three worlds of World Two, and you know what caused me to stop playing? Uh, death rooms kill rooms the kill room and, pass, and yeah that, kill rooms. that yeah. was one of and, my major complaints about the game when i discussed it and I, yeah, it's very yeah. valid it, it it really it just sort of 
like, you know what? I'm fed up with this. I'm not enjoying this. So, you know, like for some reason the combat just is not satisfying to me. And I don't know if it's because the kill rooms are, are simply rooms literally for killing baddies. Yeah. Or, or, or what it is. Because there are other games that have kill rooms that aren't quite as painful. It's, um, but it's, it seems to me anyway, maybe this is just my experience going into it, but it's always seemed to be quite incongruous. You know, in many ways, it, the, the action part of it did seem like quite a classic kind of action game. You know, a bit like, a bit like Castlevania to ways. Yeah. And you've got like, sub weapons like Castlevania and all that but I mean you didn't have kill rooms in Castlevania yeah, or, or exactly. any of those kinds of games it was it, that I found to be kind of weird a bit like you know a, a, a bit in Final Fight or Streets of Rage or something just sort of suddenly it comes along uh, it's uh, and, and very much at the towards the end of the game they are too long they are mm. too they are just too long and they because they break up the flow of the level and they make the level as a whole too damn long and yeah. that, that is the problem with them. I'm not quite sure why they they kind of emphasize not only you know emphasize them in the gameplay general, but really ramp them up towards the end. It's weird because you know something like a treasure game that has kill rooms, it's fine because the combat is very satisfying. And you know, Hatsworth has some interesting moves. He can do a lot of stuff. And I, I, yeah. I only got a little way through the game, so I have to imagine he has a lot more he can do it's, by the end. Certainly. I mean, I, d I don't know whether it was part of it was an attempt to try and um, embellish the interactivity between the action and the puzzle facts, because the 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 way that you kind of knock enemies into the puzzle face, and then yeah. but they can sort of come back and pester you in block form if if you mm -hmm. don't manage the puzzle properly. But the thing is, is that on the normal difficulty, certainly, uh, the, the, the puzzle is just so trivial to manage, it's just kind of a chore, rather than, you know, uh, than really contributing something all that uh, interesting to the gameplay, for instance. I mean, there's a few Perhaps. things, there's a few things like, if you rack up a big combo on an enemy and then go straight into the puzzle, and make a match that uh, unlocks an item like a health item. That will actually give you more health than it would have done if you'd done it without racking up that combo first. You've got these little things that they put in there, but it just never felt important enough that those uh, sort of uh, mechanisms really you know, delivered for me. Well, I, 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 they didn't deliver for a different reason for me. I couldn't figure those mechanisms out. Um, they are, actually, they are, they uh, are quite opaque, really. I mean, it, it I was, mean, I felt like I would get a match for health, and then I matched it, and I didn't get health, and I don't know why. Uh, and maybe it's just because I was not paying attention, or maybe I did get health, and I didn't think I got health. But there was something about matching the items where I didn't feel like they actually did anything when I matched them. Well, so you certainly do more if you combo first. That's I don't know whether that was uh, okay. Part well, of it. well, I'm not. You know, I like penalty pawn. I'm not good at it. And, and that's another <laughs> yeah, one of the problems in this game that's is pretty that much me. if you aren't if you aren't good at making combos or whatever, and it's a chore. And it's like, well, part of it is managing when you're supposed to be down there and when you're supposed to be playing the top screen. Yeah. And and you got to figure that out by yourself. And I just never figured it out. And I didn't care to figure it out after a no, while. No, it, it's not so. transparent, that's for sure. I mean, it, re it really isn't. Uh, you kind of feel your way through it, but the thing is, is as I said, in general, it, it's, it feels like they didn't quite have the courage to, to make it impinge all that much on the action. And so it just comes off as feeling trivial. Right. If it had been completely critical, then they would have 
that would have forced them to teach you better. Yeah, precisely. How it works. I, I think and they, then it would have been okay. They kind of just backed off from that. It was somewhere in the nether region of, of being important, not. Important. They didn't really want to go the whole hog. I don't think. What happened? Yeah. I played. I beat the game, which is pretty difficult. Uh, not really anything to do with the puzzle. It's just you know, as an action game, it's pretty hard. And then um, you get the option to do the gentleman's mode afterwards. <laughs> and the biggest difference in that is kind of like a new game plus thing because all of yeah. the upgrades that you've bought you carry over but of course everything's more difficult so it kind of balances mm -hmm. out but what also happens is the puzzle speed changes dramatically and so you really do have to worry about when you put enemies down there they are going to come back pretty quickly if you don't do things it, it, you, it certainly behooves you to be better at the panel dupont playing part mm. and things like yeah. that so i don't know whether that makes it more enjoyable but it, it makes it more relevant <laughs> right that's for sure well I, I don't know i was not a part of the rfn episode where you talk about things that must die well pointless kill rooms must die i would certainly agree with that i just it really I, I feel like it's uh sometimes it's a it's a padding issue the, the, yeah. you know, that that is, uh, but uh, certainly the levels later on in Henry Hatsworth did not need padding. It, that, that's why yeah. it's particularly it, befuddling it, in this case. It always it all comes down to the manner in which the, the kill room is, is executed. Because if if, it, <laughs> if there is interesting level design and each that changes how the combat works for each scenario where you have a kill room. You know, like most games have kill rooms in some form. I yeah, mean, sure. It, it's a question of. of Pointless kill rooms, or or, or oh, arbitrary yeah, kill rooms, it feels or, or bland kill rooms. You know, like if you play a game like Uncharted Two, and whenever you get to the combat, I didn't like the combat that much in the game. But mm. uh, whenever you're in a combat situation where where you're fighting, it's it's a different scenario every time, even though essentially the same thing where right. you have to kill everyone. That wasn't in Hatsworth. No, and I, I I can confirm that. Or you know, going right to the end, it it, it did that part of the game didn't do a whole lot for me. It, it, it just felt like a sort of uh, a bit arduous, really. But I suppose before we uh, conclude this, we should mention the answer to the, uh, ah, the yes. trivia question. So uh, Henry Hadsworth is out after the. Uh, he, he's a treasure hunter, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, old timey treasure hunter. Um, and he's going after the what is it? The golden suit. Yeah, it's something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, he, each world has a different um, golden item, part of this golden suit of, of immense power apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so uh, the first one I think is like the hat and, and then there are other ones. Yeah, the I hat. Just, I think the hat just lets you do the puzzle. So it is literally the first thing you get and there's like a pipe that lets it breathe oh, okay. underwater and all that. Uh, but then the, the pantaloons, the gentleman's pantaloons actually, weirdly enough, give you the ability to sort of stick to walls momentarily and climb, you know, sort of uh, do wall jumps right. off them and sort of climb to a limited extent. So uh, that's what the pantaloons do for you. That's the ability. Splendid. <laughs> I don't think he uses this particular one, but he probably should. Spiffing. <laughs> Spiffing? Yes. <laughs> uh, it definitely has a unique character. It's a great concept. I just. Yeah, I just disappointed I, I, the, the concept is stronger than the execution, I think. Uh, certainly, you know, it's one of these things where uh, you could say this for quite a lot of series, uh, this generation, much as in past ones, uh, that, that, you know, that where you get games that are conceptually strong that maybe a sequel would have delivered yeah. better, but uh, that's probably not going to happen in uh, this well, case. I'm hoping that the, the, the guys behind this game will make another game 
in a similar style. What I mean, I don't care if it's actually an action game or what, but yeah. something pseudo old old school that brings new things to the table. Yeah, and they'll learn from some of their mistakes in terms of the balancing issues. But the music certainly excellent. Yeah. Love the yeah. vibe. Love the. It's it's weird, you know, that the, the maids, as we illustrate, the first and third songs uh, are, are sort of quite were quite relaxing, quite sort of chilled out, and the second one was all peppy. And the funny thing is, is the action parts were the first and the third song, and the middle one was the puzzle bit. <laughs> now it seems sort of counterintuitive, but I think it's because you you tend to play the puzzle part in these little bursts. So you're on time crunch. So exactly. There's, there's so it's, it's more... got to feel kind of urgent, but kind of upbeat, right. kind of silly, because you play with coloured blocks you know so right. it, it just it nails the atmosphere perfectly yeah. really did so, I, I was knowing that this was like a weird side project I was not expecting the music to sound this good coming in mm-hmm. I was really pleasantly surprised when I played it well the, the Gene Rosenberg was the composer for those those curious um and, and I also wanted to mention that uh, this has been in the queue for a long time, in part because, like I said, the, the soundtrack that's available for free on, on the official website uh, is not really the original soundtrack. Mm. Um, although my understanding is he composed that version, more or less, with the, those instrumentations then sort of downsampled. Or yeah, well, that, that, that certainly would kind of make sense, so, uh, given how it sounds. Yeah, but uh, so my, my old roommate Steve Ronsley, uh, he he asked for this, and then more recently Voodoo uh, also suggested this for the forums. So um, third time's the charm. A third person asked for it, so like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the critical I'll, mass. I'll, I'll get off my butt and, and, and record the songs. So all right, uh, we spent way too much time on Henry Hatsworth. So, <laughs> uh, this is turning into an episode of our fan in length. So let's uh, let's go on to the fourth game. I think somewhere in Boston right now, John Z has just perked up a little bit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of beatbox in there. He's, oh, uh, yeah. His, <laughs> his beatbox radar goes off. Well, uh, we, we can send him a copy of the raw files. Uh, <laughs> for his, for his oh, employer. he listens, don't worry. <laughs> I don't think he listens to this podcast. No, I don't. I'm, not, I'm not important <laughs> enough. Uh, Neglected, honestly. Yeah. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Tell tell your friends, especially if yeah, they're named please. John Linderman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, and that's that's a real choice pick from uh, from this game. That's uh, excellent. And we also have a question to go along with that. Oh right, yes. the uh, The trivia question for this one is: Which character from this game shares its name with a previous title made by the same developers? So the music definitely sounds like it's from this developer. Um, although I still, ha- I always have trouble wrapping my head around the fact that they made this series. Um, <laughs> to, me, to me, it doesn't make sense. But um, I, I guess more power to them. This is Killer Instinct for the Super Nintendo. Um, yes, it is. And definitely the second one sounded like something out of like Donkey Kong Country. It did, it did, yes, uh, very much so. And that really uh, is, is for me the main thing I take from this game, having played it back on the Super Nintendo. Was the, was the music? Or, I mean, it's your know, typical kind of fighting game stuff in the sense that it has to cover this sort of range of different. Uh, Places, you know, so it has these ethnicities. Yeah, (laughs) perhaps uh, you know the World Warrior and all that street fight. So it has to cover sort of quite a broad range, but. yeah, this, I mean, Rare's music in this period was really good. I mean, I, I still, I mean, the DKC soundtracks is probably, you know, mm-hmm. it's the thing that's held up the best from those games, I would say. Is the yeah. Soundtrack. Well, the second one has good levels of stuff. Oh, well, I, I like the second one, actually. I didn't play it at the time, I just played it on Virtual Console. I still really enjoyed it, but the music also was excellent. Yes. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed it in this game, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I, the thing about this. Uh, I suppose it was said somewhat about Donkey Kong Country when that came out, but this game is painfully derivative. Um, uh, you know, and, and Rare, you know, before uh, they went to you know, work on all these pre-rendered games for Nintendo, uh, were, were renowned for being quite an original, you know, innovative right. kind of developer. And, and then all, and, you know, Donkey Kong Country, it's, it's, you know, plenty of good things about it, but they're, they're not nothing terribly original. And then uh, this fighting game also, I and mean, of course, the, the market was so terribly crowded at this point for one-on-one fighting games. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Primal Rage, uh, uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, Fatal Fury, Samurai Showdown, uh, everything under the sun you, you could name. Right. And this was quite late to the party. And, of course, it started in the arcades where it was supposed to be this sort of uh, flag you know, bearer for the, for, for the Ultra 64 technology. 
which is mm-hmm. quite strange because you you look at the big pre-rendered sprites, uh, it doesn't make you think of what the N64 ended up looking like very much, really. Uh, right. I get the, the big difference between the arcade version and the Super NES conversion is that at the backgrounds, the environments were polygonal in the arcade mm. with these 2D characters, I believe. Whereas then, when you went to the Super NES, it was all sprite-based. Right. Well, my only experience with the series is. Uh, before I owned an N64, my parents rented an N64 for me, and the only game available was Killer Instinct, I guess it was Gold? Gold, yeah, which was the second one with some, you know, uh, bonus stuff, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, it was such a disappointment because I didn't give a shit about this style of game. <laughs> I, 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 I plugged it in, I, I looked at it like... Meh. And the thing is, I already played uh, Mario 64 on Friends and 64 <laughs> yeah. on vacation one time, so it's like I knew that's what I wanted. But they didn't have it, so my dad's like, "Well, uh, here's the N64, but you only had this game." I'm like, "God damn it!" Yes, <laughs> not not a showcase for for what the N64 could do, no. especially because the pad I don't think would have been very well suited. Uh, to oh, this well, you get one controller, uh, you know, with the rental and. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't make any sense. Why are they even running this game? You know? <laughs> no, that, that, that is not the best forum for it. I mean, I, I, I thought it was okay. I mean, it was it was a pretty solid fighting game. I mean, it, it was it was it, it showed the signs of being in a crowded market because it had this kind of silly escalation quality to it. It's like, oh, you could do a combo that's like, you know, 30 punches long or whatever. It's an ultra combo and then they go flying off the edge of the building and die down the bottom. And, you know, the, I mean, you know obviously Mortal Kombat was, was, was the, you know, the, the made the biggest splash of the post-Street Fighter 2, um, you know, uh, right. fighting games. And, and that, that didn't do that by being restrained and subtle, you know. And that's a, that was the kind of environment it was in. I mean, in terms of the gameplay, it was a bit, it kind of did a few weird things, like Street Fighter would always be the kind of rolling motions that you do move, you know, the quarter circles, the half circles, and then Mortal Kombat was very tappy, it was like back, back, forward, you know, you, you didn't, it wasn't right. a smooth motion. Killer Instinct had some characters that were tappy and then other characters that were smooth. Like, I remember the, the sort of Argonaut looking thing, Spinal. He was like a Mortal Kombat character, but then other people would be like Ryu or Ken. So it was quite weird to have that all in the same game. Uh, but that's pretty much as weird as it got. I think other than that, it was a fairly down the line kind of fighting game for its day. That obviously looked very nice for a Super NES game, I and mean, it was quite impressive what they did to scale it down, I guess. But uh, you know, especially if you go and patch it now, I don't think it would probably make a huge impression on you. Yeah, well, my question. I mean, this was published by Nintendo, wasn't it? Um, I'm not sure if it's one of those things where you know, but Rare maintained the rights the IP or something I mean it's because although they still talk about the baby flirting with doing another one today but probably complete yeah. balls but well well my point is that I, I'm just surprised that Nintendo would kind of want to make a game like this and granted Rare made it not Nintendo but I, it was, it was, I'm surprised Nintendo felt that that was a niche that they needed to fill it was a weird period though because I mean it was very much the sort of it's sort of twin brother in crime if you like was, was cruising uh, USA yeah, very much true. the same way, and it's yeah. like it doesn't seem like a, that didn't seem like a very Nintendo thing to do either. I mean, this was in this weird, the quote-unquote dream team period, where it was <laughs> Nintendo seemed to be the more important part of that was just that they were alienating everyone else. 
and, and so I, 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 it was kind of odd and, and I don't really see how either of those two games really gave you an idea of what the Ultra 64 or the you know, Nintendo 64 was actually going to give you in the end. It's, I, it, it really doesn't uh, make any sense to me, that whole period, but there you go, I guess they... I guess maybe it was just a leftover from the sort of tussle for the North American market that Sega gave them, you know, because Sega really yeah. ran them very well there. Well, if you remember how Donkey Kong Country was marketed, it was very much marketed at, look, this is something that our other guys can't do. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, I, I think perhaps, Same kind of attitude. Perhaps you know. so. I, I, but I mean, going back to the to the music, you know, this actually had... I had the North American version of the game, the imported games back then, and uh, it actually came with a CD. Um, and it was, I think, you know, very quite similar to the Hatsworth situation in terms of, you know, it was not literally the music from the game on the CD. Maybe it was literally the arcade music, or you know, it was just a sort of like a rearrangement sort of thing. It was called uh, Killer Cuts, was the name of the CD. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, there was some, but you know, there's some good stuff in there, particularly the Saber Wolf theme, the second song, which is the answer to. The trivia question, uh, Saberwolf yes. is a character in Killer Instinct, but he's also one of Rare's earliest games. So it was back when they were called Ultimate, play the game. They made a game for the, the, the ZX Spectrum, and it got ported to all sorts of computers and things called Saberwolf, with starring Saber Man, who's like had cameos. He had a cameo in Banjo Tooie, I think. Uh, yes. he's, he's, he looks like Hatsworth, basically. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we, got theme, we got a theme going. Yeah, it's all, it's all part of one cohesive whole. Uh, it, and uh, it, it's, uh, he, there was a GBA game uh, called Saberwolf that Carly from our staff was kind enough to lend me, and I still haven't actually played it for more than a non-trivial <laughs> amount of time, <laughs> I'm sad to say. Well, I, I can understand the wolf being named Saber Wolf. Why is the man named Saber Man? I, I've not played any of these games. I don't know why. <laughs> is it, he was named after the wolf? I mean... Uh, jump Man? Yeah. <laughs> he hunts Saber Wolf and so becomes Saber Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was born to jump, so he named him Jump Man. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, well, let's go on to the... Uh, Oh, last game. How about that? Yeah, getting there in the end.
is an upbeat song. Mm, cheery. Cheery, yeah. <laughs> Actually cheery. Eerie? Eerie? Actually eerie? cheery this time. representative of mm, uh, this yeah. game. I would have thought that might have clinched it for some people that have played it. Well, we do have a question for those who haven't figured it out. And I'll, I'll read it this time, actually. This is like the only question I wrote by myself. <laughs> oh, here we go. The uh, stick in the so, tail. <laughs> <laughs> so, in what two ways can you fill your tension gauge in this game? Mmm...
proceed. Okay, uh, yeah. So this is this is a, maybe if you haven't played this, you'll be surprised by the uh, the title of this game. It's uh, this is Sonic Rush for the DS, yeah. um, and, and you know it's not that the music's bad. I mean, I, I appreciate it; it's well done, but it just doesn't feel like a Sonic game. And after loving you know, all three of the Sonic Advance, can't talk anymore. <laughs> all three of the Sonic Advance. Series, again, series and, and, and soundtracks from them. I was kind of jarred by by the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, it, it does get grating after a while. I, well, I came uh, in obviously with, with quite a different perspective. I'm not really much of a Sonic fan. Uh, I, this is one of two Sonic games I've ever played. At the okay, well, it's, it's a good game. The um, the original Sonic uh, being the other one. Um, and oh, you mean like the original one for Genesis? Yeah, for Genesis, yeah. And then Man, the that's a strange sampling of Sonic games in my Well, it's, it basically, uh, <laughs> like, we didn't have many games for our, for our Mega Drive over here. We, yeah. Sonic came with it, so it was you, you, didn't, right. you didn't really have a choice in that, and I did play it, and I did finish it and stuff. And it's, it, it was the PAL version, and some of the, the, the effects of the speeds got lost on you, I guess. Mm. And, uh, you know, so after that, I just, you know, I didn't own a lot of Sega consoles or anything. I wasn't that yeah. enthused about Sonic, but then when, when the Sonic Rush came along on the DS, for some reason, I decided to sort of take the plunge on that more than I ever, you know, than I really ever considered getting the advanced games, even though they were you know, pretty well received. Um, but you know, uh, so I thought I'd give this one a go. I, I guess mainly because I was just using my DS a lot more than I ever used yeah. my GBA, and I really enjoyed it. And, and just coming to it from that fresh outside perspective, where you know the last you heard of Sonic music was the. Uh, is the original one, you know, yes, it was obviously very different from that, but I still felt like it kind of fit Sonic, you know, it, it kind of fit this, you know, he's, he's supposed to have attitude, he's all about speed and all that, it kind of fit that in a non-insufferable way, it sort of had this personality to it um, that was kind of upbeat, and but, uh, but just, you know, kind of appropriate rather than annoying. And I think it was done by the chap that did uh, Jet Grind Radio. I'm not. Maybe. I, don't, I don't take that to the bank. I'm not all that up on my Sega games, but I, I, th I think I've heard that. Um, and yeah, I, I do like the uh, the different elements in there. You know, you've got these vocal elements in there, but then you've got like kind of eight bit instruments mixed mm -hmm. in there. And so I, I just think it's a kind of quite a unique kind of soundscape that you've got here that you don't tend to hear in a lot of Fandel games. Well, my gut reaction was that they did the sound samples because they could. <laughs> I think there's but, definitely uh, some of that. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Castlevania 4 in terms yeah. of you know, toying around with your new, uh, you know, your new capabilities yeah. on it. Because it was, I think it was the second holiday of the, of the DS. 
so mm-hmm. see him from right. four and, and a half years ago. The first one was all, all just... Uh, Tinker Toys kind of stuff. The second year was really one. It kicked and, off. Uh, yeah, you got yeah. like uh, Partners in Time and uh, a few other sort of big games that were more like you know fully fledged games. Right. Um, yeah, Sonic Rush is a good game. I, I remember enjoying it. But one thing it does have, going back to it, kill rooms. Um, yes, it does. It has kill rooms, which well, I guess this did come out after Sonic Heroes, so it may have. Pull that unfortunate game mechanic from Sonic Heroes. Right. Um, how, however, the, the kill rooms aren't nearly as painful in Sonic Rush. Oh, they um, are fleeting. <laughs> That's yeah, they're not nearly as bad. So, and, and they take up more than like one screen. So there's a little bit of platforming involved too, in, in killing everyone in the room. It's part of it's kind of finding everyone in the room to kill. So. Um, it's not as bad. And I could um, kind of, I don't know, maybe it's more irksome in Sonic for some people, but I could kind of understand the desire to kind of lock it down and slow things down a bit in Sonic well, because how, how, how brief would the level be otherwise? Yeah, I mean, that's been the, the excuse Sega has given for all their 3D Sonic games. Yeah, including Werehog <laughs> combat and all yeah, that. So I guess um, it's, a, it's a rather unfortunate lineage. <laughs> Right, but the thing is, in Sonic Heroes, they'd muddle, they'd combine that into one level so that every single level has portions of it that are not fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so <laughs> unlike like Sonic Adventure 2 or Sonic Adventure or, or even Sonic, uh, the Werehog game, whatever it's called. Unleashed. Uh, Sonic Unleashed. Yeah. Um, where it's partitioned in such a way that when you, if you're revisiting it, you can just play the good parts. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Sonic Rush does have these kill rooms, but it isn't nearly as bad, and and it isn't like you're swapping characters and doing other crazy, stupid stuff. So um, no, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, they're, they're, this, it's definitely developments on you know the original Sonic, which I played, but uh, it didn't feel like it was you know sort of convoluted or anything, which is certainly the impression you get about uh, certain Sonic games. Right, and, and uh, one thing it did is it had a really good sense of speed. Um, so, I mean, the, the advanced games had a good sense of speed too, but th- this one with the ha- using both screens and this boost meter where you could charge up this uh, tension gauge, what we call it. Yes. Um, you, you built it up by either killing baddies or or, or did two tricks. Yeah, that, I, that, that I did know that. that, that I actually. I had, sorry, I should have asked you. Sorry, no, I did uh, have that one. Yeah, the killing baddies or doing tricks. It's uh, it, it, yeah, you could that that way. You you never felt too much like you were kind of when you did slow down you could you know speed back up again without like a lot of effort or anything right and it was an interesting alternative to like the maybe you hadn't played this because you're not familiar with sonic games that they would have this push down and, and tap a to do a spin yeah match. you kind of like um, uh, crank yourself up normally crank like, yourself yeah. up and uh this was kind of an alternative to that i think works really well yeah, and I like doing some of the tricks. Like sometimes they were useful just for navigating. Like if you did, like if you pressed R, you'd sort of do like a kick into the air, yeah. which would give you more uh, horizontal sort of distance on your jump in certain cases, things like that. So it wasn't just right. like total frippery, although some of right. It was... and, and that was a holdover from uh, I think the second Sonic Advance forward, going forward, where, right. where they had tricks that that in some situations were very useful for maneuvering, getting into a hard spot for exploration, things like that. Um, now, Sonic Rush only has Sonic and Blaze. Blaze the, the cat. Yeah. Because, of course, they have to introduce new characters. Uh, at least it's like a new character in this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, 
I don't know why they feel compelled to introduce new characters in every Sonic game. It's, it's pretty it's, absurd. It's a weird thing, but in this one, it's basically like you've got a whole parallel world where you know you've got a whole different set of emeralds and a, a completely right. different Eggman and Blaze instead of Sonic, and they kind of have both have right. to team up in both parallel worlds to defeat the, the two Eggmen. What? <laughs> right, isn't like the idea that they like swap universes or something? Yeah, like the, 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 the one baddies in the one universe and the ones in the other, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Makes all the difference. But yeah, I, of course. I, I can't say as I played the sequel to this Sonic Rush adventure, um, which I think you know, was was pretty similarly regarded, although it didn't have the same impact because it was so many, you know, like two years later or whatever it was. Is it a very similar game, or because I, I was sort of under the impression that it was a different game, but then I looked it up and it was developed by the same developers after all. I, I, I think it's very similar, but the thing is, is that there's just some differences in terms of like what's in between the levels or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like there's more of an overworld, or possibly, yeah. That might be where that whole adventure thing kind of comes in. But the the core is very much the same, is my understanding. Yeah. Did it have more characters playable? I don't, I'm pretty sure it was Sonic and Blaze again. Uh, yeah. actually... See, so that was the other part that bothered me about this game was that you know I really like playing as Tails and, and to a lesser extent Knuckles, and so uh, I, I am a fan of characters when they're done well. Uh, mm, sure. And, and it seems like you know there's been this uh, reaction finally to you know having all these different characters. Like, well, we're just gonna go back to doing Sonic, and, and I think that's overkill. Um, I mean, like Sonic Four is gonna apparently just have Sonic in it. Yeah. yeah. I, how 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 do you want to bet there's gonna be an unlockable Tails as a yeah, as a but DLC. Money, but I mean, they're yeah. doing it episodic anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like uh, you know the people that want him will have him if they yeah. wanted to pay for him. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is with Sonic games, it seems like there were a lot of trivial characters introduced when you could have just reused old characters, and that that's sort mm. of where things gone downhill. Um, I don't know. I, I like the Sonic Advance games more, but part of it's the soundtracks. Um, yeah, the DS game is good, in spite of its kill rooms. Yeah, I liked it, AJ. I mean, there's definitely some of that, you know, you're going really fast, and then bang, something comes along, and it's like you didn't... Every have, Sonic game has You that. didn't have much chance. But yeah, it's, it's the typical Sonic complaint, and I, you know, it, I picked up on it just as anyone would if they've played the game before or not, but I, I still enjoyed it at the time, despite not being a big uh, Sonic guy. I mean, I kind of waffled on going and getting some of them on Virtual Console, because I was never going to get them on PAL Virtual Console, because it just... I, I, <laughs> It kind of ruins it, I think, so much about speed, and then it's going to be all compromised. Yeah. But, of course, I've had the Japanese Wii for years now, and I, well, for more than a year anyway, and uh, I haven't gotten around to it yet. But if you were... If you were, if you don't own any versions of Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles, uh, that's that's a good good place to start. That, that's that's um, a good entry point, you think? Because, yeah. yeah, that's that's out, and that's got the lock-on feature and everything. Yeah, those are the best ones, in my opinion. Um, and uh, for me, it's like... I own multiple versions of that game, but none that support the lock-on at this point. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and so Sega's assery in terms of how they've released those, their, their precious games, uh, their precious I was kind Sonic of surprised favorites. that they actually had it in the virtual console releases on that basis, so uh, it was quite good. And, and yeah, it's maybe a little bit of higher price than you might get in some other formats, but it, it, I know it's going to be solid. So if you're like yeah. Greg and you really haven't played any Sonic games... My primary recommendation is Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Um, you may as well just buy both at the same time. And uh, well, I guess play Sonic 3, and if you don't like it, then don't. Spend well, the Genesis money, games, or oh, Mega Drive games, are 600 points on the Japanese service, so uh, you've got, yeah. it's slightly more economical. 
yeah, so, so yeah, what you can do is you buy Sonic 3, and then if you want to play Sonic 3 and Knuckles, just buy the Knuckles, and then just do the lock-on and continue your save To file. some extent, that's how the game was intended to be. It right? is, it, exactly. They kind of had to, to get it out the door and, and then end up selling it later right. on, and this quite sort of interesting technical solution is quite quite an achievement how they got they obviously really wanted to give people the game they wanted to give them in the first place otherwise they wouldn't have come up with this uh, particular kind of solution to the problem yeah yep so Sonic and Knuckles will do a downloadable pack if it came out today so um, I mean if that technology were there at the time yeah (laughs) Um, so uh, with that we're going to wrap things up this was a an excellent episode, I think. And I hope I uh, managed to keep people guessing a little bit. I certainly had some of my all-time favourite, beloved, close to my heart series in there. Mm-hmm. But um, I chose some ones that were a little different, a little, uh, little more obscure in terms of whether I've beaten them to death on hundreds <laughs> of episodes of RFL or yeah. not. And, uh, <laughs> and, but regardless of either of those, hopefully you enjoyed the music. I think it's a pretty good range covered here from... Uh, Sonic to Silent Hill. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I'm going to say goodbye now. So uh, goodbye, everybody. Tune in next week. Be sure to check out RFN, both the uh, PAX special and uh, subsequent episodes. Subsequent uh, debauchery and, and, casts, yeah. as I'm calling well, them. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, our, actually, our listenership's kind of gone down over the last few months, and I, I don't know why. But uh, if uh, Let's, let's, <laughs> so let's crank the needle. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, like, rate us on iTunes or just tell your friends or whatever. I don't know. But uh, uh, hopefully we can get the numbers back up. And because... before we go, I do want to say very great thanks for having me on. I would oh, like pleasure. to think that it would be less than a year and a couple of months before I'm on again, but yeah. I can't really promise anything with the bondage of editing RFN, so <laughs> I'm very grateful to do it now. Yeah. All right. Well, next time you're left out of a super awesome adventure for <laughs> you can come crawling back to me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'll take you up on that. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Castlevania 4 is copyright 1991 Konami. Silent Hill Shattered Memories is copyright 2009 Konami. Henry Hatsworth and the Puzzling Adventure is copyright 2009 Electronic Arts. Killer Instinct is copyright 1994-1995 Nintendo Rare. Sonic Rush is copyright 2005 Sega Sonic Team. Uh, sort of a pan flute type type song there. I don't know. <laughs> Eclectic mix of instrumentation there for people to uh, ruminate on.
<laughs> Sorry, I, <laughs> that was uh, that was my way of trying to tease people into uh, wondering what the game is. I don't think it's oh, that hard, okay. though, uh, to be honest. No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 